BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, it's J.D. here, and I'm with Pete and Tim, and we have a really big announcement we want to make. Are you strapped in? Good. Mark your calendars for Friday, September 1st, as Long Slice Brewery brings to you Getting Hip to the Hip, an evening for the Downey Wayne Jack Fund. Join us at the Rec Room in Toronto for a night of music, unity, and making a meaningful impact. This event is dedicated to honoring the legacy of the Tragically Hip while supporting the Downey Wenjack Fund. Immerse yourself in a powerful tribute performance by 50 Mission, celebrating timeless classics that have shaped Canadian rock history. We'll also wrap up the podcast in a memorable way by doing our finale live that evening. But it doesn't stop there. This event is all about making a difference. So we've got a silent auction with prizes you've got to see. From Blue Jays tickets, to Tragically Hip Ephemera, to kitchen appliances. If you're looking for something cool, chances are you'll find it at our silent auction. All proceeds for the evening will go directly to the Downey Winject Fund, supporting healing, reconciliation, and positive changes for Indigenous communities. Tickets are on sale June 1st and can be picked up by visiting gettinghiptothehip.com and clicking on Finale. By attending Getting Hip to the Hip, you're not only enjoying a night of incredible music and comedy, but also contributing to a brighter future. Join a community of like-minded individuals who believe in the power of music and unity. Tickets are only $40, so mark your calendars and visit our webpage to secure your spot at this unforgettable event to celebrate the hip with fellow hip fans. Getting hip to the hip, an evening for the Downey Winject Fund promises to be an experience that leaves a lasting impact. Please join us at the Rec Room in Toronto on September 1st and be part of something truly meaningful. We'd love to see you there. nearly 10.30 p.m. on September 23, 1994. I'm on the 106 bus riding from York University to Wilson Station during my first year at the institution. I was on a mission to pick up the latest effort by my favorite band, the highly anticipated Day for Night. Since mid-summer of 93, I'd been going bananas over the song Nautical Disaster, first introduced to me during my 19th birthday. It was at another roadside attraction, and as the band launched into New Orleans is sinking, they jammed through the now classic cut in spectacular fashion. However, it wasn't until the Kumbaya Festival early in September of that same year that I finally heard the track on tape. 
My friend Heather had come home from university having recorded the festival on VHS. We quickly dubbed the video to cassette, and now I was off to the races. From there, it took until Canada Day of 1994 before I heard anything else from the record. The hip played the gig with a chip on their shoulder, as many of the fans had acted boorish and disrespectful towards many of the opening acts, including Daniel Lenoir. The set was heavily peppered with songs from Day for Night, and I liked what I heard. As I got off the subway and approached HMV, it was nearing midnight. The new album would be in my hands soon, and I could listen without the distraction of frat boys throwing bottles towards the stage. From the first notes of Grace 2, this one felt different especially after the slick polish of Fully Completely or the bar blues of the prior two records. This was a band hitting its stride and understanding exactly where it fit into the fabric of the rock and roll paradigm. But that was then. Today, I'm tasked with taking Pete and Tim into my memories and hoping to goodness this one sticks the landing for them. We'll soon find out on this episode of Getting Hip to the Hip. Long Slice Brewery presents Getting Hip to the Hip. Hey, it's JD here, and welcome to Getting Hip to the Hip. A Tragically Hip podcast where we go through the discography of The Hip with two folks who have never heard of the band before. So while they're having their first experience listening to the music, you can revisit yours. Send me an email, jd at gettinghiptothehip.com, with your first experience with The Tragically Hip. It would be great to hear those as we listen to Pete and Tim describe theirs. Speaking of Pete and Tim, they are most certainly ready to be released from their protective hatches. I will push the button now, and they are there. They are on their platforms, their their levitating platforms. How are you doing, fellas? Hey guys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he, nodded, he nodded his head. <laughs> I nodded my head for all you out there my, in Radio that's Land. That's my favorite aspect of podcasts. He loves theater of the mind. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's great. What's new? Oh, man. It's new. I'm um, back in the saddle, man. You know, back to work today. Um, uh, like I said, struggling with a little bit of jet lag. But um, other than that, I mean, I, I, how much time we got, JD? <laughs> <laughs> Could, could tell you a lot what's going on, but I don't know, put you guys to sleep. Uh, Tim, what's going on with you, man? Oh, just cranking on the week, getting started here. And um, last week was, that, to be honest, kind of rough. So I'm hoping this week's good. That's that's what I'm counting on. My fingers are crossed for you, fellas. Yeah. Both of you to uh, avail yourself you, of JD? the jag, uh, the jag light, the uh, jet lag, and for you to feel better this week. I'm doing try- really did you try to call me Jack off right now? Is that what you're trying to call me? No, I said jet lag, but I said it wrong. <laughs> Jag lift. <laughs> Jag off. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I can't complain. We've got a new puppy dog, and uh, she's pretty awesome. So far, she's having a nap on the bed right now. Uh, she spent the morning in her crate, so I'll, I'll 
you know, we've been letting her run free this afternoon, or I have been letting her run free this afternoon. So, yeah, um, that's really irrespective of nothing. But um, who named her? I did. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's my last naming job that I get to do, though. I gotta ask you, um, uh, Michael Keaton, <laughs> George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson. I There's guess only one right answer. I guess I'm a Bale person at this point. I would, I would, I would have also. The judges would have also accepted Adam. Michael West. Keaton. Oh, Adam West. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton was great, but yeah, Christian Bale was those movies were so amazing. Oh, it was Batmania. Just Batmania. Uh when Keaton and Tim Burton put that whole thing together. Oh yeah. Tim, were you a fan? No opinion. Okay. You pleading the fifth on this one. Yeah, no opinion. Okay. So we're here today to talk about the fourth long play from the tragically hip their fifth uh, output uh at this point this came out in 1994 to be exact it came out the third week of my first year of university and they did a midnight album release so like all the record stores were open they would be open all day and then they would close at nine and then they would reopen at midnight so they could sell the record because it was the next day. It was Tuesday. So it was like Monday night at midnight. You would go and get the record before anybody else. I remember that. Tower used to do that too. Right. It was a yeah. cool, it was a cool fad. And it's just, you know, it's got it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday, you said, right? That's right. Records always yeah. came out on Tuesdays. And there's a reason for that. And somebody told me the reason. I can't remember, but oh. um, there was a reason. There's a distinct reason why that was right. the case. Okay. Well, if you out there know what it is. Uh, use social and let us know. Or shoot us an email at JD, Pete, or Tim at gettinghiptothehip.com. This record means a lot to me. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush this time. Uh, or I am going to, no, I'm not going to beat around the bush this time. I'm going to lay it all out right now and, and say, I fucking love this record. So, you know... Uh, let that not uh, impact your scores, but uh, there may be some arguments because it it's just got the it's got the crisscross of hitting a sweet spot for me with my favorite band at the time and coming out temporally at just the right time, you know, to to build a culture around. You know, it was produced by the Hip. Uh, with assistance from Howard and Freakin. Uh, I believe it's Mark Howard and Mark Freakin. Uh, Freakin, uh, I want to say sound guy for the hip. You can listen fully and completely to get the all the all the detailed information. We, we always went through that stuff in a big way on that show. And this is not what this one's about. This is an addendum. So the label was MCA. This is again uh, another MCA release for the hip. Clocks in at uh, a record 59 minutes, 26 seconds. Uh, you know, just uh, almost an hour. Singles. It had six singles. Grace 2 was a single. It was the first one. Came out right before the record dropped. Greasy Jungle was the second one. Nautical Disaster was the third one. So Hard Done By. Then Scared. 
and then thugs. And I believe that thugs was almost, you know, a full year after the record came out. So this one had legs. All music rated this record a 3.5, or pardon me, a three out of five, uh, much lower than Fully Completely, which was the record before this, which got a 4.5 out of five. So a three, uh, very interesting. Uh, very, very interesting. Let's start off the top with your initial thoughts on this record, Mr. Leiden. I felt it was long, you know, and realized pretty quickly that we were getting some extra songs. What else about it? I, I did notice some uh, recording kind of changes or uplifts as far as production value goes, which is cool. Um, what else about it? I don't know. There's some certain songs on there, which I absolutely dug. I ended up listening to the first half of the album several times. I don't want to say struggled through to get through the whole album in a sitting, but I just kept finding myself starting over at certain points. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we can talk about that more. It, I mean, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a long record. And could I edit this record? Sure, I could. I'm not going to ever say which songs I would potentially edit out because they're all my babies. <laughs> and I just couldn't say it. But I secretly know which ones I'd get rid of. Tim, you have been looking for an album. You've been searching for an album, you know, through throughout this podcast. You know, you've you've talked about Pizza with the Works. You've talked about mishmashes and collections of songs produced together you know, to round out an album, but it seems to me as though you are seeking, you know, not necessarily a concept, but a conceit. And I would have thought that paid off with fully completely. It it didn't. So how about this record? I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I'm close. Okay. I, I was expecting this album to be um, maybe more maybe more concise since they were driving and had more control i don't know i think that just the fact that it was a couple songs longer in the the cadence of all the songs and really looking at where their place and all those things that i like to do you know it checked a lot of boxes for me but i didn't i didn't finish listening to it in a take and go oh yeah now now i'm here Pretty close though. Wow. But I'm pretty close. JD, tell us, tell us, you know, when it came out at twelve oh one, were you in line yeah. buying it, or when did you listen to it? Like, what do you recall from your first listen to this album and how you felt and why it's your fave? Ooh. Well, again, it, it's got that cross. It's got that crossroads, right? Of like culture and time and place, and they were my favorite band. So it was like so exciting to be in Toronto and buying it right away because before I would have had to buy it the next day. There had been some concerts leading up to the release of this record where they had dribbled some breadcrumbs of what this record was going to entail. And it was so cool to hear it. And more importantly for me, after the very slick sounding fully completely, I love the... Well, you guys both know that I'm into lo-fi music, and this isn't necessarily lo-fi, but this sounds much more self-produced, mm -hmm. right? Like it sounds, it sounds like it's recorded by people who are making their first record in a good way, in a really good way. Like it's so fresh sounding after what 
the the last group of records that we heard were were more slick and polished and that sort of bar rock thing. Uh, I've always said this was the record where the Tragically Hip revealed that it, it hasn't been beer that's been fueling them all these years. It's it's weed. Like they're a total weed band, and this record was the first one that reminded me of that. <laughs> the rest of the records are sort of beer. Our sort of okay, beer okay. You know? Yeah. So that's, 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 I've had 30 years to gestate on that sure. though. So bear that in mind. Now, Pete has blood pouring out of his mouth right now. He's chewing his tongue off. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he's, he's dying to jump in here. What does he have to say about all this hullabaloo? Uh, well, real quick, you, you mentioned that there was a, this was three out of five and fully and completely was, 4.5 out of 5. Who's the who is the company or I always use all music. I always use all, all, music? all music, yeah. Yeah, they got their heads up their asses because <laughs> um I I don't even remotely see how this is less on the point scale than fully and completely cuz I thought this record was fucking awesome. Um I I agree that I felt the same way that kind of Tim felt um, that it was a bit, it was a bit lengthy. I found myself starting it a number of times and struggling a little bit to get through some, some latter parts. Um, There's certainly some areas where they could trim the fat, if you will. I'm not going to say which ones they are, but it was like, like for a band that's producing their first, you know, it's their first go at producing a record themselves. It's kind of like uh, it's just a little too much. It's like going out on a on a great first date. Dinner's great. Movie's great. Go back to the house. Sex is great. Oh, first then date. That your date's like, hey, um, <laughs> do you ever want to have kids? Oh. You know, it's like it's like <laughs> totally could have just done without saying that, and the night would have been perfect. <laughs> Like they just say that they just ask that like on their way out. And it's like, oh, okay. Doesn't mean you're not going to go out with them again, but it's, you know, so I love anyway, it. I, got, I love it. I'll leave it there for now. Lots to say. You know, I'll just, just quickly add on that, you know, very similar token that I had with it. It, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear the next albums and then to again, look back at specific albums to see how I feel about mm. them. Cause this is probably one, you know, you, you are so excited, you know, there's a trilogy of movies coming out on something that you'd love and you see the first one and you're like, God, I hope the next two movies are just as good. And maybe the next one is pretty good or better. And you're like, Oh shit, this is going to be great. You know, it's kind of, I'm, I'm leaning towards that. I want to, I'm excited to revisit some of these to see how I feel in a couple of months. Hopefully I won't be like, dude, I'm done, you guys. <laughs> no, that, that's not going to be the case. But yeah, I'm anxious to revisit in the future for sure. Because this, this is probably one of those albums. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be interested to see that too. Maybe again, we will have like a 10-year reunion. <laughs> Pete mentioned that in the last episode. You know, we should go back 10 years. Oh, we might. So who knows? Maybe we will. We'll revisit this on whatever platform the kids are listening to in the future. I'm sure they'll be nuclear powered or something. Uh, okay, so 
Um, hmm. Here's something new. An intro song that doesn't just like open with a kick to your ass. It opens in a much different way. It still manages to kick your ass, but in a much different way. It doesn't have a like a a lick off the top, like Little Bones or uh, Courage for Hugh McLennan. You know, it, it just doesn't have or Blow a High Doe. It doesn't have that same sort of whoop in the butt. It's it's a taste of like this is uh, what you're gonna get. I think, you know, it's a little bit of like setting the table. And it's because you're listening to it and you're like, whoa, this isn't the hip that I left behind a year and a half ago.
Thank you, music lovers. On behalf of our crew, the finest crew in the business, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Robbie Gordy, Johnny Paul, Mr. Jim Bryson on keys, us musicians and the crew and everybody here tonight, we want to thank you. Thank you, music lovers. Thank you. And merci beaucoup. Summer on. Summer on. Take care of each other. Drive the speed limit. Wear a life jacket. Summer on. You mentioned setting the table, and I agree. And it's, it's saying that um, it's a different band. That's like the, one of the first things I wrote down. Um, I feel like, <laughs> to be honest with you, I like this song so much. I feel like kind of it's just stupid even talking about it. <laughs> like it's such a honestly it's a fucking banger and i think i had sent to you guys in the group text like the the snl um uh performance of this song yeah it's just it's jaw dropping yeah it's 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 um <clears throat> the line about just, I looked at the phrasing, I looked at the lyrics and the way he did. Um, he wrote the lyrics and it's just so cool. Sorry, I, I wish I could articulate it better, but um, the rules of engagement um, are hard to endorse. Yeah. Like, is this, I read a little bit online that it was, you know, about like a man propositioning a, a prostitute or a young girl, but I'm also like, is this a song about war? Is this like an anti-war line that he's throwing in there? Is it a double entendre? I don't know, but I don't know. I could say a million things about this song, but I'll hand it over to, to, to Mr. Lydon. I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I heard this song and I immediately thought this is a stellar hip song. I can't wait to hear the rest of the album, but instead of like really going to the rest of the album, I immediately found the first live version I could find on a Google search <laughs> because I thought this song is, is gotta be, you know, a quintessential live hip song. And that's, that's kind of where I went. And I ended up finding the, the Woodstock 99. If you guys haven't watched any of the documentary about Woodstock 99, please do. It was a, just the demise of Western, North America, USA culture right there. But anyways, this recording, this video recording of the band at Woodstock 99 is so good. Like, chills on my arms, like goose pimples. It was just fucking amazing. This this song, you know, I, I was basically like, okay, that's that's my single. Should I listen to the rest of the album? I'm pretty happy right now. <laughs> didn't they do a did they do a 94 and a 99 or did they just do 99 just, uh, just i i think the documentary is the 99 one where yeah. they set everything on fire That's and the one. tore down all the stages and yeah. ra raided the food trucks and 99 all those things um yeah. and then i you know with this song in particular i was anxious to hear the band doing their own thing without, you know, managers or producers looming over them. And there were a couple different things I heard, which are even more so on certain songs, but the drums sounded a little different 
little bigger maybe um the bass was a little bit more engaged with drumming and like there's there's been some times when the bass is kind of funky feeling just like really in it um there was some kind of i don't know pete you might know but there was some echo really echoey guitar effects oh i got i got that written which were pretty cool yeah it was kind of the song just hit all the boxes it had kind of this transcendental gonna take you on a journey you know i i liked it so much i was like i, I don't even care what it's about this is just a great listen <laughs> yeah <laughs> tim you talking about you know the drums being bigger and you know the production just sounding you know bigger and you know with with some of the guitar effects a lot of it has to do with they went back to new orleans but this time they went to that daniel lanois studio and the kingsway studio which is just a big old house and you know they would do stuff like bed sheets over the stairwells and you know um just like like home studio trickery sure. but on a bigger bolder scale because this house has so many nooks and crannies that you can get different sounds out of different spaces. And they, they took advantage of that, which is very different from the, the uh, path they took on the record right. prior. Very okay. cool. Very uh, track cool. Two, Daredevil. So on Daredevil, um, the, the skipping start that they did. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was, so this was, what year was this again, GD? 94. 94. So I feel like, I mean, that was the height of like CDs, like were where literally everybody had a CD player. It wasn't like the early days. So I feel like maybe it was a, it was a joke to, to make people think their CD was skipped. Cause if you ever bought a CD and you were unfortunate to buy a scratch CD that was brand new and it skipped, you were fucking pissed. Oh yeah. Um, so that was cool. That was unique. Um, this song certainly does sound way better in the car. I don't know if it's just specifically my car because I I have a <laughs> like a I mean as you know yeah <laughs> pretty good uh premium it's, sound system it's like the our, premium audio system is that what you guys kept saying I, I, premium yeah, I, audio I think we I think we're at system. a point for an acronym for yeah. pass <laughs> sound it? system everybody everybody Ooh, listening or how about a like, T-shirt. Yeah, if I get if I get through this entire <laughs> no? podcast, okay. these guys owe me a ride in Pete's car with a big, <laughs> big fat doobie. <laughs> or there should be a bingo card where uh, the, you know, every time you hear Pete say "premium audio sound system," you tick the box. Or and then there's the, of course the free square, and then um, if you hear me say so, there's that. Oh jeez! What are you guys doing no, this no. summer? Oh, I'm, we're going to Malaga. There's this guy there with this premium audio system, and he he gives people rides. <laughs> I'm just job, I'm just man. saying that because I I'm due. You're due, yeah, I know for sure. Twenty five dollars sure. a song. <laughs> I'm good. That'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be a good job. Um, this, uh, <laughs> no, this song, uh, the, the, Tim mentioned something about the, the spacing where JD, you were talking about the, the studio and all the trickery, but 
Yeah, this is the first one where I, I write down the, uh, the, like the guitar solos, for example, they seem way less defined on this record. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in a way that, um, and then the, there was a really cool um, oscillation effect. Maybe a little more Jimmy. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the flavors kind of gelled together more. The oscillation effect uh, if you've ever heard the the song Real Emotional Trash um, on the album Real Emotional Trash, <laughs> yeah, that, that Steve Malcolm song, um, I know this came before that, but whatever he's using on that guitar solo is exactly the same effect what, they're using on Daredevil life? because that oscillation of the guitar is just, it's so cool. I wish I was cool enough to know what it was to ever be able to use it myself because it's fucking rad. Anyway, I dug the song a lot. I really liked it. What'd you think? What'd you think there, Tim? I, I did too. I, I think, um, yeah, I love the drummer just counting it off at the beginning. That that made it feel like maybe more home recording type scenario. Um, this song, this song, like, uh, I was wishing I was in a bar just like sitting at the bar pull up and just it, I felt like I could be watching the band you know but it was like the barkeep and the kitchen people and I don't know this this one this one kind of took me in a different direction than the than many um after the one minute mark maybe this is kind of what you're talking about Pete like with the guitar and drums it gets kind of heavier or more layered it felt like locomotive like this train's just really going um, story-wise. I mean, that's probably a podcast itself to talk about. Annie Edison Taylor and right. the whole going over the falls aspect of this one. I love the line. And the real wonder of the world is that we don't jump to. Yes. You know, that's that to me is like it delivers something inspiring the song is like, get out and get after it, step out, you know, jump off that cliff. You have 50% <laughs> chance of surviving. If, it's, if you survive, it's going to be <laughs> awesome. And if you die, it'll be awesome. You know, this song's, this song's yeah, fucking really, cool. It really this is. This song's really cool. Where do we go next? We hit track three, and that's Greasy Jungle. Take it, Tim. Greasy Jungle. Um, This one... <sighs> the snare is really snappy i felt like this is where you're kind of hearing different recording maybe aspects um when i say snappy snare it's like tuned tighter maybe um you know there's lots of film references here in this song which we've gotten before there's congas like there's some hand drumming at some point in the song i believe which is, I was just like kind of tuned into the drums on this one, obviously. Um, that's a background effect, but a new layer. There's a, definitely a new crash symbol. Like there was some new drum gear right. on this album. There's a new crash symbol that's really bright. That's always kind of gets my attention. Um, I didn't realize first few listens that it was like a, 
dirty streets, metropolis correlation with greasy jungle. I didn't know what the heck it was about. Um, you know, I didn't for a song three. I always like hope that this is the the one that's gonna get maybe somebody around the bases at bat. You know that they're gonna push push it through. And this one didn't do it as much for me. I was um, um, more kind of like, okay, what's what's next with this one? Didn't grab me so much. One of the cool little Gord Downey stories is. The lyric that you were just talking about, Metropolis Noir, it mm-hmm. sounds so elegant and mysterious at the same time. But Metropolis Noir is a name he saw on a bag of coffee. It's it's uh, like French roast, but in right. French... It wasn't French roast. It was a dark roast or something, or Italian roast. Dark roast, dark roast, yeah, Italian. Yeah. I forget which one it was, but it translated, because everything in Canada has to have French label and a, and a Canadian label, it translated to Metropolis Noir. So that's just one of those little things he stuck in his notebook, and then he's writing this, you know, greasy jungle, Metropolis Noir. And all of a sudden, you've got this setting, and then... It takes you on that little story for funeral home sandwiches and coffee. Oh, delicious. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. I, I think that also, I also read that it maybe referenced a diner that he worked at that had the same name. I oh, think. really? Did you, did you guys know that? Yeah. Yeah. That? Greasy Jungle. Greasy Jungle. That sounds like a good diner, though. <laughs> yeah. Right? JD, you, you, you said French roast, and it's funny because I always think I don't remember the name of the comedian, but, it, you know, in France, they just call it roast. You know? <laughs> just like, just like, just like Tim and I's definition of Canadian bacon is actually just bacon for you, right, JD? <laughs> yeah. No, no I, 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 I can't remember the comedian who, who did that bit, but um, Tim, I couldn't ag- disagree with you more on this one. <laughs> <laughs> However, I will tell you, Tim, you for- ignorant slut. <laughs> yes, I'm done. I I, I I sort of felt like that the first time I heard it, and the more I this was one where I kept digging. Actually, I didn't really have to do much work, but just the more I listened to it, the more I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get why this was a single. This is a banger. On um, the phrasing on it, it the vocal phrasing. Absolute A plus, uh, another great car song. Um, the solos, super experimental. Like again, it's cool because it's not. Most of the guitar on this record is not like this. It's not a producer going, okay, boys, let's lay down the solo. This is where we're gonna put the solo here. Give me thirty. Yeah, this, give me thirty-two bars. Yeah, let's go. Thirty-two bars. <laughs> yeah, like it just. It's so cool that it's not like that. And this song is the first, although not as much, because there's another one we'll bring up, and I'm sure you you guys know which one it is. But this is the first song where I really hear that the um, the influence this band had on Alanis Morissette. Oh, wild. Oh, yeah. And there's another song 
on this record that we'll get to that is clearly, it's clearly she was sitting in her room listening to this record prior to recording Jagged Little Pill, like, which I can't remember what year that came out. What oh, year did that shit. come out? It came out, I want to say the summer of 95. Was when the um, big, was when she broke she when a, she exploded. She, yeah, player, is she a, is she a fan? She's is she a fan? She's is a she great a musician and she's Canadian, so I would be hard pressed to think she's not yeah. at least. I didn't mind. Oh yeah, yeah, she's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, you you fuck her stick together. So <laughs> <laughs> I I saw her live in 2018 in L.A. and she just, I mean, fucking blew the roof off the place oh man it was it was it was insane anyway my wife had tickets to the 25th anniversary tour of jagged little pill and uh it got canceled due to covid so oh drag total drag yeah yeah okay uh yeah i'm uh i'm on your side there pete uh as far as greasy jungle goes next one is a a cool thing that i don't know if this is something that pre-existed you know, I don't know if somebody had taken a photograph and of a dog, you know, with its teeth bared and wondered aloud if it had been yawning or snarling. Um, because, like, since that time, I've seen so many photos that I say that line in my head. You know, there's so many photos that they're captured. And we feel something right away, but then you have to sort of, open your mind and go, well, wait a minute. Maybe that feeling that I'm feeling isn't the right feeling. You know, it, it was just the way the photo was captured. It could have been yawning or snarling. And that sort of kicks us off. One day in El Paso the cops go into the crowd Under a glare and platter of light And the music's just so loud And the tourists take the t-shirts off And a busload of kids and gives you the finger Incarceration would be just so much simpler. 
Yawning or snarling? Um, I, I, at first listen to this record was my favorite song. Um, wow. And and that was with my you know everything I love about Grace too. Um, it just was. It has. It starts out very mad season. Um, I don't know if you know that band. Yeah, that Tim, was the supergroup, right? Yeah, that was the supergroup of of Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. That's right. And that record, when did that record come out? 93? Did it come out in 93? Um, maybe so. I mean, the, the, they were active 94 to 96, so maybe it's the same time. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, it starts out like the first, and it builds... Um, I don't know. I mean, I just loved it. I could say so much about the, the instrumentation, but lyrically, I hear, I, I don't know if you got a line on exactly what it's about, JD, but there's some historical references in there. And talking about uh, El, El Paso, he brings up uh, the, the Mexican-US border there. I'm pretty sure that runs through the 100th Meridian. Oh, wow. Um, no, I which I, I could be wrong, but it, it just kind of feels like it's going like Core Downey is really going in like he's a big fan of these historical references. And I, I, I don't know. I dug it. What say you, Tim? Uh, 
I, I dug it. Um, I think, you know, when I first heard it start up, I was thinking, okay, here's, here's the, the spooky, sinister pip song of the album, which we often get, you know, um, if, if any song that I hear, I hear a reference about El Paso or the Rio Grande, it's, it's usually something heavy. It's like, it's not about, um, you know, going tubing <laughs> and fishing and having fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the, there's a line in there about, um, the cops go into the crowd, throbbing bladder of light. You know, I love that phrase, throbbing bladder of light. Music is so loud, nighttime when the cop the shadows cough. Like this lyrically the song's loaded. It's just um it's really, really big. I just you know, somebody beat up and thrown in the river. This this is this is an early song. There's a moody guitar ending. Um I think throughout the song the bass to me, I'm always kind of honing in. It's funny because Pete's on guitar and I'm on bass and drums, which is cool. But um, the bass is a little punchier, like it's tuned up or I don't know. It's This this one had definitely some uh, some home, you know, if they recorded it in a house, I'm just going to call it home production because it's basically what it was, even if it was like super pro studio. Like there's some certain, there's some little things in there that, that I heard for sure. Um, it's it's an interesting song. It's pretty cool. It's it was it's kind of an early song to me. I, I stuck with it a few times. Cool. Where, what's next? Is number five. We're at five. Fire in the hole. Yeah, that's fire. Fire. Fire in the hole is fucking cool. Like I and I say that because I I heard kind of this '90s grungy punk influence with this one even though it's not like super fast or anything um but then when i started reading into it you know because i figured it had something to do with fascism and nazis and i don't know there's something um there's something you know angry here you know there's some definite ties to sonic youth's youth sonic youth's Youth Against Fascism song. It's it's very, I don't want to say very similar, but there's definitely some things shared. Um, you know, that was a time for me, it was a time of really getting into like crunchy guitars, a little bit more experimentation, faster rhythms. Um, you know, this, this song for a hip song maybe is like a little bit tougher. It's a little bit tougher. Um, I also just thought, you know, by its, its own name and chorus that this one is probably ruckus life. It's probably just fun and, you know, fists in the air. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. This is, this is a banger, uh, for sure. Um, the, the guitar work on it, I definitely, I mean, it's. It's weird. I, I don't know, because I'm not the biggest Guns N' Roses fan, but, you know, Slash is Les Paul. Um, guitar tone is pretty distinct. You know when you hear it. And the, the guitar tone on this song that he's playing some some lines um, sounds, I mean, identical. It doesn't sound like Guns N' Roses, of course. The song doesn't. 
but that guitar tone just was so reminiscent of of that and it kind of made me think okay so they're like trying to they're trying to shed some older skin from the previous records but you know it's sort of like you can you can take the you know take take the what out of the what but you can't take the what out of the what they still got it <laughs> in their roots you know what i mean yeah um so so that that's that's definitely there and then um yeah this is one like the the obviously grace too i mean that's sort of like the flagship of this record but this is another song where you're like okay gord's found his voice he's he's really you know if the band is his recliner like whenever he gets up you can see his ass imprint it is always there he's found his voice and the chair is sunk it's sunk in does that make sense what i'm trying to say yeah um uh he's yeah he's 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 been in that chair so long now for a number of records that it's just comfort it's like he's he's found it he knows where he's at he's in the group he's in the groove like yeah. he's he's absolutely and to me guys isn't this the heaviest that we've ever heard them or is there something on Foley that that might be no i think you're right i do I, I think it's up there. I think it's up yeah, because sure. you were saying fast, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, yeah, it is fast. It's fast and heavy. Like this is yeah. a great song live. This is like Foo yeah. Fighters fast. Like, like yeah. that, I was like, whoa. I yeah, because it's still it's still it's interesting. Pop song, you went right? to like it's still yeah. It's interesting you went to Guns and Roses beat. I don't know why I didn't go there. Like I just I I hmm, I didn't hear that reference but I'm, i want to go back and just the guitar just the guitar I, tone I, for, yeah yeah yeah. for me oftentimes that's doesn't mean something positive totally oh wow just yeah you know outside of them anybody else i hear sounding like remotely like guns and roses you just kind of go eh you know um but i think it was just weird that tone was there because Coming up the hip, I feel we're such a that was that was what most bands were sounding like back right. then. I don't know. Yeah, maybe fifty mission cap or something. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This this one, you know. Yeah, you might be right. You might be, and you might be so hard done by. So hard done by. Um, to be honest with you, this is probably my least favorite of the of the record. Hey, we're we're in um, yeah. yeah, I just didn't. Yeah, I, I I thought it was I thought it was a cool chorus, um, but I just I kept thinking about like what what would I say about this song, and it's just you know maybe in the ten year reunion by then I'll have something, but I, this song. Sorry, I wish I had. I had more for it, but I really just don't. I'm I'm with you a bit. I uh, I heard Allison Chains right away. Really? And I don't think it's like it's not like a hundred percent Allison Chains, but that that's who I thought of. And I'm starting to hear, you know, an occasional references to bands that were doing well during this time. Um, and I'm not a big Allison Chains fan by any means, but it's you know this 
there's still some lyric nuggets in here. I love You'll Have to Wait a Minute. It's an insomatic, like, that to me is kind of a phrase of, um, if you want, you know, beauty in life, it's not going to come to you right away. You got to, you got to deal. The ending is kind of rough. You know, the, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Pete. The ending's kind of rough. The snare is too snappy. The snare is like so snappy that it's like, that's how you tune a snare for fucking punk rock songs with a high beat per minute. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't. Well, it's funny that you say that because the original, like the demo version of this song is totally up tempo. Huh. Well, so it's, com- it's a completely different song. Okay. Me, I, I think this is, I think it's fine. Um, I think it harkens back to like, uh, like it could be on up to here. It could be on road apples to me. It's got that sleazy, not quite stonesy vibe. So I was really surprised to hear you say Alice in Chains because I'm, I'm going more of like the roots, okay. you know, Okay. that's, that's my vibeage on it. But, but that's, you know. This one, that's just how yeah, I Yeah, this one was for sure more filler, had a rough ending, and I was kind of glad. It was like, okay, what's next? You want to you add something, Pete? Oh, well, all I was going to say yeah. was, you know, that'd be cool if it was, uh, maybe, maybe it is cool live. And I just, just a comment that I always hate when you hear a band play a live version of a song and it's just fucking killer. And that's the first way you hear it. And then you hear the studio version and it just, absolutely blows so yeah i'm i'm with you i'm with you maybe this is that but to answer your question jd what's next is not not cool i've actually heard jd sing this song oh that's right i did it i did it for uh i did it for uh a hip podcast Uh, like i do a pod list just like i do for medium alchemist and i sang it is that that's what it was right yeah yeah I dug it. I thought it. Yeah. I thought it was. Um, what's what? J, what's that pod JD had that he took off? It was like uh, JD sings in the shower. Was it that one? That's what it was. <laughs> JD sings in the shower. <laughs> there was a, there's a there's a there's a video version of the podcast too, but that was uh, <laughs> yeah. That was Before that. only fans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. I. I, I I remember hearing this and, and the first time you sent it to me, I think it was already living in Malaga, but, um, great tune. I, I, you know, this and JD, I, you, you, um, you explained to me what this song was about and I've since forgotten because my brain doesn't work anymore at my age, but I did get, I think the reason why we started talking about it in the first place um, was because we, I mentioned to you the, another great Canadian singer, Gordon Lightfoot's um, right. uh, Racky the Edmund Fitzgerald. And so you you brought this song up and that's kind of how it came into my, uh, my atmosphere, my airspace, if you will. Well, those are forever linked for me because... The first time I saw this song played live, Gord Downey introduced it live as uh, no Canadian band, no Canadian musician would be complete without a song about a nautical disaster. 
This song is called Nautical Disaster. the wagon wheel going. All right. I had this dream where I relished the fray and the screaming filled my head all day.
on a wire Sucking up to someone just to stoke the fire Picking up the highlights of the scenery Saw some little clouds, they looked a little And then they launch into New Orleans is sinking. Oh my gosh. And you're sort of like, what? What's going on? And then in the middle of New Orleans is sinking is this brand new song, Fully Fleshed Out, Not a Oh, uh, you know, I read about this. And I it's read about this. Fucking holy crap. It is it is a tornado. Like it is so destructive. It, you know, there's not many bands who perform live that do extremely intentional things like that for the audience. There's not many bands that do that, you know, that doing something like that, mixing in a new song in the middle of a song people know. And then did they circle back? Yeah. yeah they finished. Then they finished. That's, the that's just insane to me. I, I just love, I just love, love, love that. I just love that. If any, if any, uh, if any songwriters are out there, let, do do that for me when I come hear you live. Mix mix me in a new one. Yeah. It's a treat. Yeah, right? because it's the opposite of going to a show and hearing a band play like their album. You know, I I've walked out of shows because it's just boring as fuck. You know, I I'll say this about uh, in eighteen, I believe it was built to spill. Oh my gosh, it was like I could have just put on one of their records and sat at home. So yeah, to, to be able to split in another song and keep going and mix it up and do all these things that are so creative and have the confidence to do that. And 
The uh, uh, only thing I'll say in defense of Built to Spill is there's always... Oh, everybody be, defends Built to Spill. No, no, I'm only saying it live. <laughs> I've never seen them live, only because they always have a new lineup. It's only they the do. They do. So yeah, if I'm if I'm a, if I'm a guy sitting in and part of the band this time around, the only thing I know is the record because that's probably all they play together. Which yeah, that's uh, I yeah. My buddy's seen him live and he kind of had the same same feeling as you did. Same feeling as you did. Yeah. I'm just starting to get into about the yeah. Sorry, BTS oh, fans. Yeah. There you have it. There's another fan that wants to punch me in the gut. I mean, not a cool disaster. It's I think it's fucking cool. Like uh, I, my sentiment right away was like this. Here's here's the epic storytelling. Th song yes. here. The drums like the, it was like beating like we're charging into war. Lifeboat designed for ten and ten only. You know, there's just all these great metaphors in there for like I don't know. Oh, it, I love it, the line about getting. The, the remaining people in the water getting kicked off. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. I don't know why. I don't. Yeah. And this song, there's no structure. <laughs> it's there's no verse. There's no chorus. It's just literally like you said, Tim, it's like a story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know who the Susan reference is. I didn't look too much into that part. Like towards the end, there's something about Susan, which I, I don't know why with this band, whenever they mention a woman, I'm always like, she's Evelyn's sister. Cause it's, it's often something grim. Um, but you know, the song there's, there's lots of data in there. This, this could be a rabbit hole song. Yes. It wasn't so much for me just because I thought it was awesome. You're right. It is awesome. It's fucking awesome. Maybe a Mount Rushmore song for the band. Where do we go next? Um, Thugs. This is sound, it's going to sound really strange. Look, first of all, love the chorus on this song. That's fantastic. I really dug this song a lot. Um, it's ironic that it's called Thugs, and the bass line is a slowed down version of Grandmaster Flash's The Message. Yes or yes? Wow. I, I didn't go that deep, but I knew it was something. Like I, I, I felt there was something going on in this song, and I didn't 100%. know what it was. You know, huh. I didn't know what it was, but uh, you keep going. You it's keep a deep, going deep. It, it, there's a, clearly a deep admiration for Grandmaster Flash um, huh. going on here, and the this the weed reference to JD. You mentioned that. You, this is the, the the song where, or this is the record where you realized they're actually a weed band, not a beer band. Um, yeah, and it sort of it sort of happened at the same time to me as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that you know, there, there's the reference about um, <laughs> I'll roll or, or rolling. I'll do the details. Um, you do the roll, and I'll, I'll do, do the details. details. Sorry about that. That's all right. Yeah. That's that's kind of where that's kind of where I thought on that. The um, again, the chorus awesome. Uh, there's he keeps doing this high, or no, he does it a couple times in on the record, but he does like a high pitched woo. In this song, that's really cool, and um, the spacey reverb guitar is just like I, I couldn't think of the song that it reminded me of, or the artist. But it's there's so much reverb on this on that guitar. It's like 
It's insane. Love it. Love, love, love this one. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah you, can, you can swim. You can it. swim in it. Well said. Yeah, yeah. Where are you on thugs? You know, I, um, I felt it was a little bit filler. You know, um, okay. I, I didn't get a whole lot from this one. I, when I started looking into kind of the movie references or, you know, trying to figure out <laughs> when I was trying to figure out, you know, any details about this song that could make me get into it more. I read, and I've read this before, the, the quote from Gord that if that's what you think it's about, then that's what it's about. Sure. It, yeah. Which made me think for this song, okay, if it's, you know, if I think Gord would tell me, hey, man, if you if you don't dig this song, then maybe you should try Inevitability of Death. <laughs> right. You know, and oh. if you want to get heavier, then go here. If you don't, if you don't get heavy with thugs, then let's give you a song about struggling with cancer, which is, I think, inevitability of death. <laughs> um, you know, there's what I enjoyed about the song is they mix it up a little bit. You know, there's um, chorus singing without drums. You know, they're starting to do little creative things on this album that I think help make it stand out and keep my interest more. That's kind of what I, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I've noticed. But then, you know, I think everybody probably knows anybody or sorry, anyone knows someone who's died of cancer and maybe that's what this is about, about and living life, you know, trying to do everything to your fullest. I'm, I'm not sure about this. The song was, it was a good jam. It was, it was, eh. you know what? You're not, uh, you're not far off the track. I don't think that when when you say that about cancer, but that would be just so terribly ironic, you know. Um, writing a song about that and then succumbing to that illness, you know, all those yeah, years later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because it it came on suddenly. It wasn't something he battled with for very long. It came on suddenly and he was gone. Well, that's the thing. I, um, I'm well. Other than a other than a cross Canada tour, but well, you just think puffy lips, glistening skin, yeah, everything comes rushing in. That could be like a reference to like the chemotherapy, you know, like rushing into your body, you know. We don't go to hell just for yeah, reason. Yeah. I love the. I also just love the wordplay. Um, I thought you beat the death of inevitability to death just a little bit. I thought you beat the inevitability of death to death just a little bit. Like I love how it's inverted. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And he makes it work. It's crazy that you say like puffy lips and glistening skin. I'm thinking of a I'm thinking of like Scarlett Johansson in a in a in a bikini. Like, oh. like that's who I'm like that's right where I went when I heard that that line. <laughs> so that's so I'm not even joking. That's like what I thought. See, could have been Yanni yeah. or Stella. somebody. Somebody just came from LA, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't spend any time with Scarlett though. Um, the uh, the I, I dig the song. It's it's not one of my favorites, but this was the song that clearly the the one I mentioned earlier that that Atlantis drew a lot of uh, um. The wordplay and the way he 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 phrases it is, um, it's it's exactly what she does in the song. You ought to know, like it's it's yeah hundred percent. You can't 
you can't um, can't deny it. I'm sure if you had a gun to red, she'd say, yeah, it's, of course, it's where she got the inspiration. Um, I don't think it would go that far. Just just for the record. No, yeah, you, if you were interviewing her, you would. I probably, I probably, I probably ask. just ask her. Yeah, she yeah. seems like a nice person. Let's go, let's let's have her guest on the next one. He's gonna can you hook can you yeah. hook that up, JD? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'll work on it. Um, I like the bass. The I think the chords are a little bit monotonous. The line, uh, "If you go to hell, I'll still remember you." Um, that's that's just that's a really fucking cool line. Uh, but the bass starts to shine at the end, which is cool because because the chords are so like I said monotonous. The bass really isn't doing much, but then it does something that that only Tim hates is more than I do. It just fades out. <laughs> you know, I will say some of no. the hip, some of the hips fade outs are better than others. Okay. They, uh-huh. They've had, they've had some, Oh, dare I tragic fade outs. Oh, Oof. But I, I use that because I hate fade out so much. JD, can you can you um, <laughs> can you edit this in? Can you can you do the wah wah wah? Or, oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's funny you mentioned that because a couple weeks ago, JD, I said to JD, you know, sometimes I just want to add in a sound effect like wah 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 wah, you know. And he's like, "Fuck <laughs> you! Do not do that on my podcast." <laughs> I hate, yeah, I hate sound effects. That's funny. Yeah, because I'm even thinking, you know, when you were talking earlier, you were talking about the bass being s- slowed down from Grandmaster Flash. Like, ooh, I could intercut, I could intercut like the Grandmaster Flash song, so people could hear it. But then it's like, yeah, no, I don't yeah, do <laughs> it, it's so noticeable, though, man. I mean, it's it's so noticeable. It's exact same baseline, but anyway, uh, next on the. So then we slow it down with scared. This the so scared for me is uh it's like a I I instantly went to this song would be an amazing concert concert closer, you know it's it comes on you know the night's finishing. It might be that one of those songs you close your eyes at some point and just listen and get in deep. You know, it's there's it's layered and story from I don't know Russia and the Germans and Stalin and trying to make culture and art disappear to lighthouse keepers and all these different things. It's like it's 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 a sad kind of beautiful song that. Um, it's a little bit of uh, usual makeup for them with this kind of section of the album, but I thought it was, you know, on that note, kind of dark and lovely overall. What do you think, Seth? I, I wasn't, I thought this was kind of like just a token, if you will, token slow tune. Like it didn't do it for me. Like when it comes to like softer hip songs, like it didn't give me the same warm fuzzy feeling is like fiddler's green did sure okay yeah i mean fiddler's green is a knockout punch it is but my god scared i love this song really yeah maybe it's just the positioning on the record i don't know i've got to spend some more time with it and and this was actually one song there's a couple of tunes i didn't 
get to here in the car. Yeah, towards the end, because my car rides weren't as long and they started the record. I would put the first song on when I got in the car. So if I wasn't driving for a long time, obviously the songs towards the end of the record didn't 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 make it in the in the car. But um, there was something really weird on this song. There was a spacey sort of keyboard sound that kept going off. You know what I'm talking about? I no, no, I don't really. Yeah, the only thing that's really stood out to me was the use of acoustic guitars. There's, you know, that's that was a little unusual. I don't remember keyboards. There's some sort of keyboard effect going on in there that is like the only thing I can equate it to is like you know the um, it's like an oscillated version of you know the sound of the uh, the metal hitting the the, the track on the song. Uh, it's the sound of the men working on the chain gang. Yeah. It's like a, it's like an echoey, delayed, oscillated, real subtle ver- um, sample of that or something, something similar to that. And it's done with a keyboard or synthesizer. It's all in the song, 100%. Huh. I've got to listen with these headphones. But yeah, it's it was a cool song. I dug it. And I kind of wish I had more of a feeling the way you guys do about it, but who knows? We'll get there. There's hope for you. There's hope for you, Peter. Uh, from there we go to an inch an hour. And this song always impressed me because the math works out <laughs> an inch an hour. to see today. <laughs>
what you, what you think of this one? Um, I love the. It, this is I don't I don't know if I if this is, if I paid attention to it in the other records, or and I'm just hearing this now, but or this is the first time they're really kind of doing it. But the like I feel like the guitar is play is following the vocal line, or the vocal line is following the guitar a little bit more, which is cool. Like the melody of of what Gord's singing. Um, thought it was a fucking banger. Again, this is another one where he's like yelping. I can only say yelping because he's not screaming, but he's saying, oh, oh, like really multiple times during the song. Um, anyway, I love it. I thought this song would probably be a really good opener. I don't know if they ever opened with it, but... Um, definitely thought it would be a good opener. Yeah. I think, uh, this one I was anticipating without even knowing it after listening to, to scared, you know, scared was like this epic kind of novel three part novel to get through. And when an inch an hour came on in the car, I within seconds was turning it way up. Like this is one that, um, that I kind of needed with the placement in the album. Um, if it truly, so I read that it's potentially or possibly if it's about a fan who wrote a fan letter to the band, supposedly this, I'm, I'm, yeah. So this, this guy claims to come home at the end of his night shift every day. And he would go buy some beer and sit on the stoop of his apartment and just, crank tragically hip and drink beers and he was thumbing through one of their albums and saw uh, an address to write letters into the band and and supposedly this guy wrote you know an, an inch an hour two feet a day that's all i have to say and then signed his name on the letter and there part of the claim was that the band wrote a song about this guy about this fan, about oh. this fan. So if if that's true and the band wrote a song about a fan, man, what else could these guys do to get people to love them? Holy cow. You know? <laughs> Who does that? Nobody does that. I, I, that yeah. kind of blew my mind. So I dug the song. That was good placement. Kind of felt like I was craving it with the, within the album and it hit the spot. That's crazy. I mean, because our, our, our band's recording uh, later this year, and I'm, I'm writing this. There's two different songs. One's called Tim, one's called JD. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't JD start like halfway through Tim? Uh, it you does. Because you, you can merge them? Yeah. It does, and then it fades yeah. out. And then I, I bet the first <laughs> time you play it, like the, cr- the crowd's just going to, everyone's going to start barfing. It's just going to make them sick. <laughs> that scene in the Goonies? <laughs> Yes. Uh, oh man. Yeah. So the next one, emergency. I'll be quick. This one didn't do it for me. Felt kind of cheesy. I was like, oh man, either Pete's gonna agree with me cheesy? or if it's favorite oh, one wow. on the album. Yeah, I just no. Gord's no. vibrato was back in a big way, and the wah pedal, which I like, I oh, I was like, oh come on, this is definitely making the album long. What's next? So what do you what you guys you guys tell me about this song? 
Well, all, in, all JD, if you want to say something, I yeah, I like it. I I like that the mood changes as the record you know goes out. Like the third act of this record is very moody, and I think it you know is foreboding and um, uh, emergency sort of starts that mood. You know, bringing another low tempo song. Um, but then it sort of picks up and I just love that pickup at the end, you know, like it's like your fingers start to wiggle and landscapes emerge. Oh, I fucking, that is high art, man. I, I, you said it's a third, the third act. And I, it's funny. I, it does. Tim, I, I, I gotta wholeheartedly agree with you on this one. It, and it feels like a play that like, I'm just like, they really came out swinging you know, if it's a musical, I'm just those first few numbers were awesome. It was entertaining, and now this song just made me feel like, oh. and I had high hopes for it in the beginning too because it it had a very mad season again feel to it, kind of the way it started out um, with the guitar effects and everything. But overall, not my favorite. I just feel like this just not even. I know they produce it themselves, but just the producer saying. Trust me on this one. Let's trim this one. Maybe we can rework it a little bit and put it exactly. On the That's exactly. All. Not that it's yeah. a bad song. It's just, it's just. I feel like it takes away from the body of the other tunes because yeah, I'm I'm exhausted at this point. Same, same with me. It's like okay, we got two left. What what's gonna what's right. gonna happen? So one of them is Titanic Terrarium. Titanic Terrarium. I was like, what? The songs, it's it's odd. It's kind of an oddball. Um, I didn't really it's like El Dorado, you know, like in that sense. Well, that it's an oddball. Yeah, the sure. I dug El Dorado. I don't know. I, I was vibing with El Dorado. This one seems like uh, maybe it's a story about failing, not really knowing until it's like too late in the game. There's some, I guess, banjo in there. This maybe. Pete, Pete, did you hear keyboards on this one? Is it kind of the same keyboardy thing? That you I maybe I did, yeah, because I did. I certainly heard the banjo. I wrote that down. Thought that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know, it's it's this one's a little ominous. It has this. It has a nice, dare I say, a nice fade out. Um, but this, you know, it's the song was kind of was kind of trippy. I wasn't really sure. It, it the thing that I think was solid about it is it the placement and it feels like the album's wrapping up. That's what this song kind of felt to right. me, which is fine in the cadence of everything. Um, I guess it just made me curious how it wraps up and, you know, let me, let me, let me start the album over again. <laughs> All right. So you go backwards. All right. That's I get it. I get it. You guys don't like, no, no, it's, I get not, it. it's, it's, <laughs> It's that like, kind of cool. It's like a French movie. Did you ever see that French movie called Cachet? I don't think so. It's real. We, we just call it. We just call it Cash. Right? That's true. You probably just do. Um, we, we call it. Hey, Cash, come on. It's a really great film, by the way. I just side note. It's 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 uh, it starts off by just um, a camera filming this house, and. Um, it, the whole beginning of it, it's like 12 minutes straight of 
just people walking by this house. It's a still camera on a tripod just filming this house. You're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, and then you, and then the, the, this couple starts receiving videotapes in their mail from some anonymous person sending them, oh. sending them <laughs> videos of their house. Just, it's really a crazy movie. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it drags. And then the third act is like, there's something that happens in the third act. And you're like, what the fuck? It's out of the blue. You don't see it coming. Yeah. Um, this song definitely, I felt like that. I, I, I thought it was cool. It was it's definitely a turning point from the previous song. Um, love the banjo. Uh, loved him talking about his grandfather worked or his friend's grandfather worked for Goodyear. Um, his son, yeah, my, yeah. my great grandfather or his great grandfather. Um, uh, no, but his great grandfather was a welder too, and he said something to the tune of, I don't know, like he didn't think the Titanic would sink or or he. He did it not think that it, the Titanic would sink. So it's like, is, right. he, yeah. is he thinking that his grandfather is somewhat responsible for the sinking of the Titanic? But um, I know the hip fans are probably thinking about moron for saying that. But either way, the amazing vocal melody, um, the fade out, I actually did enjoy. Um, some, yeah. I can't yeah. remember what I wrote, why I wrote this, but miracles are reversible. Like what that line is about, that that is mm. that's a cool line. I dug it. So yeah. I really yeah. I really like the song. It's it's a it's kind of a trippy song. Um yeah. I I overall I, I liked it. I like the pace. It's just uh it was kind of a weird one. The 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 reference of the Titanic, you know, I, I took that as people put their heart and soul into this massive steel structure. How could it fail? You know, and it's like it, it kind of okay. doesn't matter. You can you can build it in the most awesome, epic way and Mother Nature can slap you down no matter what. You know, and what's which, there which is, is There's the glory and miracles. Yeah, is, is that the reversible? Yeah. So the Titanic terrarium right. is, is Titanic terrarium. It's like it's in it's I guess it sounds very futuristic well, at that maybe point, it's right? like, like it sounds... the idea of the Titanic was very much in a bubble like it was this thing this oh, thing okay. that people couldn't comprehend outside of being larger than life until it sank hmm. kind of cool yeah I think there's a lot to dig dig in on that one that's yeah. a good one uh, and then we we wrap it up with track 14 again it's a, it's a marathon this record but it's a good marathon, as all marathons are, other than needing band-aids on your nipples. Impossibilium. <laughs> Never tried that. You know, this this one, to me, as a final track, didn't feel like a closer. Like, a, for such a long album, I really wanted, like, you know, you read the last chapter of a book, you know it's the last chapter, you kind of have figured out what's going to happen. And you just want, like, I, it didn't necessarily make me feel like I can't wait to listen to the next one. It just was a little bit of a, huh, not really, not really sure. That's how I was left hanging. Hmm. I, I, I agree. Um, I don't want to say they shit the bed on the last song, but it just didn't, it's like, you say you you get through a whole novel. It's like getting through 
Stephen King's It, which I don't know if you've ever read that. It's a very large book. It's a massive book. Only to find out that just, you know, Pennywise was just a clown that, you know, had a rough upbringing. And, you know, he was, instead of all like the psychological implications that that, that movie or that book and, that, and the movie invoke, it's just like a story about a clown that, you know, got kicked out of the circus because he was abused as a, co- as a child. It's like a shitty ending. Like, okay, it makes sense with the story, but really? It's all you got, Stevie? <laughs> um, but I like, I mean, it wasn't a bad song. Spoiler alert, Spoiler. by the way. <laughs> um, it had a very Gin Blossoms opening. I, I did write that mm. down. It sounded like the Gin Blossoms opening. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, again, the 90s references you know it's like i i've heard so many and you have to pete you know i sometimes i'm like where was the hip really into all these other bands or vice versa or both like all these guys were just feeding off each other maybe i'm not sure yeah what do you think jd what do you think of this one well i think when you're i think when you're touring as much as they toured you know, you're probably meeting lots of different bands and being, uh, if you're not meeting bands, you're probably listening to tunes, you know, while you're going from place to place, whether it's like through a, you know, a CD Walkman at the time, or, you know, if you're in, uh, if you're in a bus or whatever, right? Like they, they were best friends and they hung out. So they would have been introducing each other to stuff sure. all, all, all over the place. Yeah. Um, I can see where you guys are coming from in terms of it not having that punch. You know, it it doesn't have the punch. Uh it doesn't it doesn't feel like the the right-handed parentheses it is complete. Um but I don't know. Uh I I I guess the songs that I don't like as songs sometimes I like the words, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'll still appreciate where Gord's coming from with it because quite often his phrasing is just so off the beaten track. Sure. It, it's just something you wouldn't think about when you see a stanza. You wouldn't think, oh, I'll sing it this way. And he does it and he makes it work. And I don't know how he does that. That's a good trick. Mm. You know, a handful of things. It is a good trick. You're right about that. It's, it's you know... I think that still, though, J.D., I mean, you know, for what's been said, I don't know how Tim feels, but for me, this is probably their best record that I have heard up until this point. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. It's it may, I don't know if it's because it's self-produced, but it's... Got a flavor. You know, d- despite the, the songs that, like, weren't my favorites or, like I said, would, you know, trim the fat or whatever, I still think it's... Their best work to date, if we're listening to this in chronological order, and we are. So there's that. So give us your give us your favorite, Pete. What was what was your your MVP uh, what, track? What are you cranking in the car? What are you putting on the playlist, or, baby? Yeah. Well, I, I I put Grace Two on when I got in the car with 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 Issa uh, this morning. I, I had to drop her somewhere and. Um, she asked who it was and, and she's like, what's the name of that band again? And so I told her and like, I think she's starting to pick up some things on it too. Um, so that's cool. Um, 
but I would say Grace 2, Greasy Jungle, and... Um, you can only pick one, okay, man. Okay, then... God damn. It's going on the playlist. We're building a playlist uh, here. You can't not with Grease. One song from each album. Grease 2, just come on. You you go Grace right. you go Grace too I mean I, I I love that also when I again that ninety nine Woodstock video version just kind of made everything tragically hip gel with me you know I just oh, from oh. from seeing them perform you are such a live guy yeah I am from seeing them perform and seeing Gord on stage and people in the crowd waving the Canadian flag, you know, it's just like, oh, that must have been so much fun. But I'll I'll go with an inch an hour. If 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 it could be true that this song is about a fan letter, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I really dug that song. I haven't found that one live, JD. Maybe you could play it in a live version. That would be that would be okay. cool. Okay. I'll do that. I'm trying to mix it up. It's yeah. Cool. All right, fellas. That was a good one. Uh, you've given me your summary of the record and you've given me your playlist track. So that means all we have left to do is to bid adieu. Goodbye, Tim. <laughs> Goodbye, Pete. And thank you very much for coming out this afternoon. It was a great deal of fun. Good, good to see you, thanks. thanks, JD. Good to see you, Pete. Pick up your shit. Thanks for listening to Getting Hip to the Hip. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review the show at gettinghiptothehip.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at gettinghippod. And join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fully and completely. Questions or concerns? Email us at jd at gettinghiptothehip.com. We'd love to hear from you. Podcasts and such. Hey, it's JD here, and I'm with Pete and Tim, and we have a really big announcement we want to make. Are you strapped in? Good. Mark your calendars for Friday, September 1st, as Long Slice Brewery brings to you Getting Hip to the Hip, an evening for the Downey Wayne Jack Fund. Join us at the Rec Room in Toronto for a night of music, unity, and making a meaningful impact. This event is dedicated to honoring the legacy of the Tragically Hip while supporting the Downey Wenjack Fund. Immerse yourself in a powerful tribute performance by 50 Mission, celebrating timeless classics that have shaped Canadian rock history. We'll also wrap up the podcast in a memorable way by doing our finale live that evening. But it doesn't stop there. This event is all about making a difference. So we've got a silent auction with prizes you've got to see. From Blue Jays tickets, to Tragically Hip Ephemera, to kitchen appliances. If you're looking for something cool, chances are you'll find it at our silent auction. All proceeds for the evening will go directly to the Downey Winjack Fund, supporting healing, reconciliation, and positive changes for Indigenous communities. Tickets are on sale June 1st and can be picked up by visiting gettinghiptothehip.com and clicking on Finale. By attending Getting Hip to the Hip, you're not only enjoying a night of incredible music and comedy, but also contributing to a brighter future. 
Join a community of like-minded individuals who believe in the power of music and unity. Tickets are only $40, so mark your calendars and visit our webpage to secure your spot at this unforgettable event to celebrate the hip with fellow hip fans. Getting hip to the hip, an evening for the Downey Winjuk Fund promises to be an experience that leaves a lasting impact. Please join us at the Rec Room in Toronto on September 1st and be part of something truly meaningful. We'd love to see you there.